but I want to bring this message to you, and I want to, I want to look at, I'll just, I'll just call this the battle part two. We talked about the battle last week. We looked at Ephesians 6, 11, and 13, actually, but we left out verse 12. And uh, I read it, but I didn't expound it. And I think this is an amazing verse because it gives us, as the followers of Jesus, an amazing insight of what's, what's happening in our world today. Why is our world like it is? Why the conflicts? Why do people act like they do? Why are certain things happening within a culture, in our culture? Why are things happening in our world? And this verse is amazingly insightful to me. And I hope it is to all of us. Ephesians 6, and I want to look at verse 12. If you'd place that on the screen. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Now, Paul has said to us that we're to put on God's strength in verse 10. He told us to put on God's armor so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. And then he tells us why we need the armor. He tells us why we need the awesome, almighty power of God that is just like the resurrected power of Jesus. He tells us why we need to be panoplied. Why we need to be armed. And he comes to this verse and he tells us where the battle is. And he, in reading, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. Of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, in the message today, we get to we we allow the Holy Spirit to pull back the veil and to be able to see behind the curtain, behind the scenes. At the reality of spiritual warfare. I would, I would say that every one of, this, uh, of us in this room understands that there's more taking place than we can see simply with our physical eyes. There is a spirit world all around us of both good and evil forces. Did you hear me? There is a spirit world around us. Filled with both good and evil forces. The good. There are God's angels. Which the, which the psalmist said are like flames of fire. Doing God's bidding. They are ministers of the Lord. They are ministers doing the bidding of our Heavenly Father. They are many times sent on missions to minister help to the saints of God. Hebrews says it this way. But are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall inherit salvation? You Many of you don't understand that God's angels have helped you and ministered to you and you never knew it. There is a mighty force of spiritual hosts called angels. Some are cherubim, some are seraphim. There's a few archangels mentioned, just a few. A couple, Gabriel, Michael, and probably Lucifer was one. 
but the Lord fired him. He's an ex-employee. He won't get his job back. Come on. HR ain't going to help him. But there's also some evil forces around us. They are evil and they are bent on carrying out their father's will, the father of lies, Satan. They're very different than God's holy angels. They don't, they don't ever bring help. They always bring hurt. They always bring harm to humanity. I would say this in a passing. Every lost person is vulnerable. Every lost person is exposed to the destructive forces of demonic power. Hebrews says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Many lost people don't know. They're struggling in their lives and they're, they're frustrated and they've got problems and they have addictions. And they don't, if they could see in the spirit realm, they would probably see a demonic spirit keeping them in bondage. Lost people are very vulnerable. So we need to pray and be compassionate with lost people. No lost person is our enemy. Satan is our enemy. His forces and minions are our enemy. But, but people are not our enemy. They are our friends. They are our harvest. We are to, to be a friend of sinners. The only safety from demonic spirits is found in the blood of Jesus. You hear me? The only safety. There is no other safety. There is no compassion in demon spirits. Satan has no compassion for you. He doesn't care if you're hurting and wounded and struggling and tormented. That brings pleasure to demon spirits, I believe. But the only safety is the blood of Jesus. It's the power of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, and the very armor of God that we'll get to sometime. I want us to unpack this little passage here. This little passage is so powerful. Let's let's read it again. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want to look at three things in this passage. I want to briefly look at the we. Who is he talking about, the we? And then we're going to look at the wrestling, and then we're going to look at the wickedness. And then I want to pray. Anyone in this room that may be struggling in, in, in a spiritual battle, we want to pray for you. The we. Who are the we? First of all, I want to look at the we. For we do not wrestle. Who are these? Who is this we? Who is Paul talking about? I can tell you, he's not talking about the devil's people. You hear me? He's not talking about lost people. But he is talking about a specific kind of special people. The we are the worshipers and the warriors. Are you here? But when Paul said, Paul said, we do not wrestle. I can tell you, they're not wrestling. They're going with it. They're going with it. You know what I'm saying? They're not resisting. They're going with the whole thing. But there are a group of people on this planet, and many of whom are in this room right now. And by virtue that we are here on this Sunday morning, we are an affront to the enemy. Do you understand that coming to this place and worshiping God and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives is an affront to the enemy? The enemy wants to shut this place down. He wants to squelch our prayers and our praise and our passion for God. But there are the we. There are the we, there are the wrestlers, there are the resistors, and the we are the worshipers and the warriors of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're God's people. For we, the people of God, who are they? I call them the enlisted. 
You've been enlisted. Now, I would have loved to have been in the military. I was born on a military base. It's in me. I was born on a military base on a wonderful, cold Kansas City, Missouri evening, 19-something. <laughs> One guy said, 1906. No, no, no. 1965, December 31st, on a cold, cold Missouri day, or Missouri evening. And I was born there, and my dad was in the military, and my grandfather served his whole life in the military. I would have loved to enlisted in a military. My, my personality would fit wonderfully within the military. Do you notice how every time I come up here, Stephanie moves this here, and I move it back here. Stephanie moves this here, and I move it back here. A little battle going on here. And I will win, I promise you. No, no. So there's no other reason that my crazy mind, there's a, there's, a, there's a line in this carpet, and if it's not symmetric, it ain't right. Everything, who is it, Benjamin Franklin said, a place for everything and everything for a place. It, it, it means nothing, but it's just like, it's not right until it's right, so I have to get it right. I can't preach unless it's right there. Come on, somebody, you are, come on, come on, preach at me here. And then some people just float around. They just float. They're just floaters. They're just like whatever, whatever. I can't live in that world. I would have loved to be in the military, but I am in the military. Come on. I am in the military. I'm in the Lord's army. Isn't that a song? That's a kid song, isn't it? We better not go there. I think it's long. But I'm in the Lord's army. We've been enlisted in God's army. We've been enlisted in a greater army than the, than the Marines or the Air Force or the Coast Guard or any other, any other military branch in America. I want you to know we're in the greatest army the world and the universe has ever known. We are the soldiers of the Lord. We have been enlisted in this battle. What an honor to know Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm one of his soldiers. The first call of salvation Peter and John, or James and John, and Peter and Andrew, they were on the seashore. Jesus just said these words. Now they had, they had had interaction with him before. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what did it say? They left everything and followed him. They left their business. They left their secular life. They left everything, and they followed Jesus. How powerful is Jesus that he, I, I met a man the other day that said, I left a $300,000 a year job, and all I do now is I walk the streets and witness for Jesus. How powerful is our Jesus that his call is so glorious that men will leave every secular security to say, yes, I will follow you, and I will leave everything. But there was one man, a rich young ruler, that Jesus offered him the same promises he did every other one of the 12 disciples, and yet he walked away because he loved riches and he was wealthy we're called to salvation but we're also called to service and i'll get to that in a bit but we've been enlisted in this battle the we the worshipers the warriors we do not battle against flesh and blood the we are the worshipers the warriors the soldiers the resistors those who say yes to the lord those who stand up and say i will fight for god's cause they all, we're also not only the enlisted, we're the enlightened. 
we have in this little text, as I said, the veil has been pulled back. We get to see the reality of what's really going on in this little verse. We have been enlightened with the true knowledge of the fight, the spiritual battle that is going on behind the scenes. This is the true biblical worldview that many people will laugh at today and understand that. Corinthians says this in two, or 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That doesn't mean we know everything that God knows. Well, that would never happen. We're just fallible. He's infallible. He knows all things. But what we know is we have been rev- the, the gospel has been revealed to us. The truth about what the world really is. How it was created. Why there's conflict and where we're going. We have the mind of Christ in every area that we need. And we see the world the way Christ wants us to see it. We see the world in reality. We see a, the biblical worldview is the only correct view. Every other worldview is a lie and a deception to damn souls forever. In warfare, there's always the power of propaganda. During World War II, do you realize five or six million Jews were burned in the ovens of Germany? And do you realize that many Jewish people truly did not know what was going on in their own nation? And the reason is, is Joseph Goebbels was the minister of propaganda. And they propagandized and they, they gave a favorable view in every bit of literature, every bit of media of the Third Reich. And yet they were evil and demonic to the core. And yet because of the propaganda, began to, after everything came about and Germany was conquered and everything came out, I've seen videos of just normal German people weeping and crying and they couldn't believe what had gone on in their own nation. It's the power of propaganda. But the enemy has his propaganda, does he not? It says, it says here in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. When you talk about demons or the devil, they think how foolish it's all of that mythology, they say. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest, they, lest the light of the gospel come in to them. So the fact is this, millions of people today, millions of lost people today, believe the propaganda of the enemy. The minds of the, our American culture is being programmed and influenced 24 hours a day, seven days a week, through TV, through internet, through news cycles, over and over again. And Satan has convinced most people, millions and probably billions, that only this life is all there is. There is no such thing as life beyond. He has convinced them that he doesn't exist. There is no devil. How foolish and archaic that is. There's no such thing as sin with consequences. There's no such thing as eternity. You just cease to exist at death. All religions are equal and will lead to God. There's no hell, no eternal punishment. God is love, 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 love. He would never judge anyone. He's just too loving for that. And they've believed all these lies, propaganda, and half-truths. And many of them will be lost forever because they believe that. We're enlightened. But we're also, as the we, as the warriors, as the worshipers, we're also engaged. We're engaged in active service. There's no such thing as, 
as someone on the sidelines in God's game. There's no, there's no such thing as sidelines in God's game. There's no bench warmers in this Christian life. Everyone is engaged in the work of the Lord. Everyone is a soldier. Everyone should be busy and working for the Lord. I heard one man, one man told me one time, he said, I sat at a desk the entire Vietnam War. Well, I guess we need desk sitters, but they, you know, we need to get in the game. We need to get in, in the warfare. Come on, amen? amen? Paul said it this way. He said, you need to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, let me, let me go quick here. We are the people of the Lord. And we are those who are fighting for God's cause. We're zealous for his name. And we're faithful to his cause. This is the we. That just stood out to me as I was reading that passage. For we. We are his worshipers. We are his enlisted. We are his enlightened. We are his engaged. We are his encouraged. We are the people of God. We are the people that are opposing the work of the enemy, saying no, and no to the enemy, but yes to God. Come on, amen? We are God's people. Now look at this second part. For we do not wrestle. Everyone say wrestle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now notice this. There is secondly this wrestling. Now I want to get to this third part because I think it's very important. But let me say this in brief. That we are, we are wrestling. Our, our, our spiritual struggle is not against people. They may, that may be the face of, of some demonic attack. Satan may use people. Satan may use different power structures, different governments against the church, which he has done throughout human history. You look at all the kingdoms that Daniel saw. You look at, you look at the, or, and, and Moses, and, and you look at the Egypt, and you look, and you look at uh, Babylon, and you know, Assyria and Babylon, and you look at uh, Medo-Persia, and you look at Greece, and you look at Rome, and you look at this last form of Gentile government that is coming under Antichrist. And every one of them have persecuted the people of God. Read Revelation. The Antichrist will make war against the state and give power to overcome them. There's coming great persecution to the people of the Lord. And you need to get ready. There are a lot of preachers who are not getting their people ready. You need to get ready. You need to be strong. You need to be willing to, to lay your life down for Jesus. For in that day coming, many, many, the love of many will grow cold in that day. The agape, it says, will grow cold. Those that once loved God, those that once loved others, there's something about persecution. It either makes people better or it makes people bitter. And Satan's going to attack the church in these last days. And there is a wrestling here. What is this? This describes the spiritual struggle of the believer. We wrestle, he says. This describes a personal, close, hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. You know, in our modern day of fighting with drones, somebody sitting in a bunker in Colorado can fight in Afghanistan by drone. And thousands and tens of thousands of people have been killed with that kind of distance between them. That is not what this is describing. This is called, this is describing, this word wrestling is describing a personal, close, hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. Listen to me. The Christian life is a struggle. 
Why do we ever get fed, fed this bill of goods that, oh, you know, you're going to go to heaven on a downhill slide? That's not what I found in my life. I don't think if you're honest, that's what's found in your life. We, we will only be released from this spiritual struggle when we appear in the presence of Jesus Christ in eternity. Oh, dear ones, there is coming a day when this struggle will be over. Come on. There's coming a day when there'll be no sin or sorrow or suffering. There's coming a day when we'll be in that land fairer than day. There's coming a day in that great presence of God in eternity around his throne. We will worship. But until that day, don't take off your fatigues. Don't take off your military belt. Don't lay down your weapons. We are in a life or death struggle with the enemy. There's three things that I would counsel us. If we're going to be victorious over the enemy. the uh, Sorry, I've got a little uh, drink. You think, well, I wish I had water too, Pastor. Up there drinking, making me thirsty. I have a little tickle in my throat. I got to tell, tell something funny on my wife. My wife has beautiful singing voice, but she has some allergies recently. And her voice is really scratchy. Well, my grand, two of my grandboys were over at the house. And they were in there singing, and Missy was singing. Hello, scratchy boy. She was singing. And here's what Boston, he's a sweet boy, innocent, innocent. He said, Gigi, she was listening to Missy sing. Gigi, where did Peyton get her voice from? (laughs) Parents saying, it wasn't from you, Gigi. But he didn't mean it mean. He didn't mean it mean. It's just allergies. She can, she can sing. You want to sing, hon? You want to sing? Okay. All right, sweetie. Didn't want, she don't want to sing. She don't want to sing a special right now. All right. Y'all pray for him. I'm in trouble already. I got to go home here and bid. <laughs> we rode in the same car. I made a mistake this morning. <laughs> All right. I'll be walking home like this, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll work for food. You know, but anyway, uh, three things, quick, three things I want to suggest. If we're going to be victorious over the enemy, we got to stay alert. A lot of people not alert anymore. Not a lot of people not alert. I can tell you, I'm an alert person. It'd be tough to break in my house. No, I'm serious. You wouldn't want to break in my house. Break in my next door. Don't break in my house. I'm ready for you because I'm alert for my family, right? We're alert for this church. Do you know you got people around you protecting you? You don't even know it. We have a security team. We have people that you can feel safe in this church because we want to protect our people. We have security cameras up on the, on the thing. We know what's going on, you know, and, and so we want to be alert. But I, I'll tell you, on a higher spiritual level, my dear brother and sister, we need to stay spiritually alert. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to wake up. Yeah. Let me tell you another funny, I guess I got some funny stories today. I was in a battle in my sleep the other night, and uh, I wasn't awake. You know, when you're not alert, you don't know what's going on. I was laying there asleep, and my arm started hurting. I was like, and I wasn't awake yet. I was like, oh, my arm hurts. And I just was like half awake and like, oh, what is going on? I woke up and I thought, why does my arm hurt? And then, so I got up and I lifted my arm up and an earring fell off my arm. (laughs) Missy's earring fell off. I guess she didn't take it off when she went to bed and it was killing me. (laughs) Thing made a dent in my arm. (laughs) 
I'm like, I was in a battle. I didn't know what was going on, though. You know, I wasn't alert. I thought, but it did. I thought, I looked at that, and insult to injury, it said M. It was a little initial, M. I thought, I'm battling with a little earring with an M on it. (laughs) Y'all pray for us. We need a little help in our... We need a little help in our home. We are struggling over there. So, uh, but we have to, we may not get this back if I don't. Get a little drink of water. Take a little intermission here. If I told all the funny stuff, we never, but it's, life is funny, isn't it? Amen. But I wasn't awake. We don't know what's happening when we're asleep, Right. The enemy is sowing seeds when you're asleep. We need to be alert to our spiritual condition, our family, our marriage. How are your children doing? What are they watching on the internet? That's how the devil gets in. Filthy devil. What about watching over your church family? Maybe how many pastors have backslidden and done something stupid because people weren't watching over them? They weren't praying for their pastor. I can tell you, people are smart. People know when preachers slip. You mark my word, people know inside. You know, something happened, and then somebody later on go, you know, I felt like something was wrong. I just couldn't put my finger on it. Well, the brother quit praying. The brother quit reading the Word of God. The brother quit putting Jesus first. I've seen preachers backslid from a pulpit. I mean, preachers are trained to do this kind of stuff. They can do it without the anointing. It doesn't mean it's anointed. doesn't mean it's from the Holy Spirit of God. we got to keep our heart right. That's our number one goal. That's our number one priority. It's not to preach a sermon and orator and this and that or to build a building. It's to keep our hearts clean before the Lord. Oh, God, search me, David said. Search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Keep your heart right we got to be alert. I would also say this. If we're going to overcome the enemy, you got to stay active. you got to stay active. Remember David? Remember David? Here's David. David said, you know, I've got success here. We built this great nation. David extended the borders of Israel further than any other king. He got self-satisfied. He decided, you know, hey, you guys go fight those little battles. He stayed home, and he fell into adultery. Guess what? If he had been leading the troops, if he had been where he was supposed to be, active in his kingship, active in the work of God, he wouldn't have backslid. Do you realize most of God's people wouldn't fall in the trouble they fall in if they were teaching the classes they need to show up in the prayer meeting, teach the children, do the work of God, witnessing, staying active. The enemy doesn't have much room in our life if we're active for God. Let's be active for God. Bible talks about being sluggish. What a word slug-ish. You've seen a slug on the ground? And it really means lazy, but sluggish. Amazing. Sluggish. You know, instead of being active and healthy for God, what we're sluggish. We can barely even pray. We can barely even get to, I don't know. There's no zeal. There's no pop there. There's no life there. We need to stay active. 
And I would say this, and I've said it a thousand million times. I'm going to say it a thousand million times again. Don't care what culture does. Don't care what fads do. We need to be in church on Sunday morning. We need to stay alert. We need to stay active. And we need to stay assembled together. When we come in this place, we are strengthened for the battle. We are, this is a safe place. We're hearing the word of God. We're praying. We're worshiping. We're feeling God. We're, we're drawing our attention to God. We're getting re- repenting of little things that we've gotten during the week. We're, we're receiving from God so we can fight those battles. There is a pattern in the New Testament that one day out of seven, we have to separate for God and worship him. There's this struggle. Let's see. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Amen. Does that, that mean I'm supposed to end? All right. May cut that off next time. I don't know who that was, but hey, just cut that off. And uh, I've cut mine off. Now watch it ring. No. Okay. Now I'm going to get to this last part. And we're going to stay till we're done, right? Give me another few. I'm, I'm going to get done with this sermon. I'm not shortening this sermon. I'm going to look at the wicked now. Most important part of this message is right now. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Listen, principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. These these are describing the rank and order of demonic spirits that are functioning in our world today. They are real. They are not a figment of our imagination. They are real. They are responsible for motivating the destructive behavior we see in our world today. And they are recognizable. You can, you can see it by the fruit, what it produces. The Holy Spirit produces love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance. The enemy produces destructive behavior and damning behavior and depressing behavior and behavior that binds. These, what are demonic spirits? If I could give you, this is the clearest definition of a demonic spirit It is a person without a body. Demons are persons without physical bodies. They have personalities. They have certain characters. The Living Bible says it, I think, marvelously. It says, for we do not fight against people made with flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. Evil rulers of the unseen world. Those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule the world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Now, I'm not a great fan of the living world, but I'm telling you that is spot on. That may not be a translation, but it's a good interpretation. That is what we're dealing with here. Where do demonic spirits come from? And I would just add this in passing. If demonic spirits are not the fallen angels who fell with Satan, then we have no explanation in the word of God where demonic spirits come from. So I have to believe that they are somehow the fallen angels. Revelation 12 says he he flung his tail, Satan did, and a third of the stars fell. We believe those are those demons. So what are the work of demon spirits? Demon spirits can cause torment and pain. Now listen, everything I'm going to say, it doesn't mean that everything, every pain, every torment, every disease, every sickness, every, it doesn't mean it's demonic, okay? There are things that are not necessarily demonic, 
but I'm saying that demons can do these things. It says that there was an evil spirit sent from the Lord, to dist- a distressing spirit sent f- from the Lord to trouble him. So I take this to mean that the Lord, when Saul rejected him, the Lord steps back away and a distressing spirit comes in, allowed by the Lord. Do you realize demons can cause dissension? They cause division. Demons can cause illness and handicaps. Luke says this, Behold, there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. And she couldn't raise herself up. So somehow, this lady had a spirit of infirmity. She was bent over for all of these 18 years. It says in Matthew, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. This demon took away this man's speech. When the demon was cast out, he spoke. Isn't that interesting? Demons inspire false prophets. The spirit said in Kings, then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade them. And the Lord said, in what way? They said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. Demons can speak through preachers. Demons can incite wars. Revelation 16 said, unclean spirits like frogs went out and they incited war. The last great war will be incited by demons. Demons can lead people away from God. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. How? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Demons recognize Jesus Christ. Demons recognize the disciples of Christ. One of the demons said in Mark, Let us alone! For we, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Do you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. You better believe it. The devil and all his demons know that Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God, that he rose from the dead, and their kingdom is numbered. Their days are numbered. And then in Acts, it said, Now what happened? They went out to prayer, and a slave girl, possessed by a spirit of divination, met us. Who brought her masters much profit in fortune telling? The girl followed Paul and said and cried out, saying, These are the these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar, demons know every man of God in this town. Demons know every man of God in this city that loves God and preaches the gospel. They know who the men of God are. They know who to harass. They know who to try to stop. Demons can also, uh, let me say this, when Jesus encountered cases of demons, sometimes he would encounter multiple demons in a person. Multiple demons. It seems like demons help each other. It seems like demons attach to other demons to deepen people's bondage. Here's what Mark says. For Jesus said, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. You don't need to mess with the devil. You don't argue with the devil. You command the devil. He asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Many demons were in this man. That's why you never want to open yourself up to demonic powers, because you won't get just one. Luke 8 says this, For there was a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons. What is the consequence of being demon-oppressed and possessed quickly? 
Sometimes there's irrational behavior when somebody is taken over by demon spirit. You read in, in Samuel where Saul became this distressing spirit. And in, it says here in uh, Samuel, it says, a distressing spirit came over and saw, and he prophesied in the house. Here he is prophesying, and then as David played music, he tried to kill him. What irrational behavior. Here he is prophesying for God, and then he sees a spear, and he's overcome, and he takes a javelin, and he tries to kill David. That's what demons do. They create irrational behavior in people. I see it more and more. Do you see people walking down the street acting nutty, crazy? That's a demon spirit. They need to be free. Sometimes demons exercise unnatural strength. Mark 5 says, and he often was bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him. The shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And it literally means no one could tame him any longer. They had tried to tame him, but he couldn't be controlled. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 19. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? The man of whom the evil spirit had the evil spirit leaped upon them and overpowered these Jewish exorcists. They exercise unnatural, supernatural strength. Sometimes demons manifest in people through self-harm. You heard of people cutting themselves? Here's what it says. And always night and day, he was in the mountain of the tombs crying out, cutting himself with stones. Sometimes Satan and he, or demons will, will motivate people to self-harm themselves. Where do we think suicide comes from? Satan puts thoughts of self-harm in people. Sometimes there's violent behavior. Mark, Mark 9 says, and, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth gnashes with his teeth and becomes rigid. I wonder how much of this violence across our land, these murders have become so common. How much of it is demonic activity, demon spirits, probably all of it. Sometimes demons can impair faculties. As I've read, and one of them was brought to him was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. He healed him so the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. Luke says he was casting out demons and it was mute. The demon was mute. The, the enemy wants to rob us of speech. The enemy wants to hinder our praise. He wants to hinder us. He robbed this man of speech. But when the demon had gone out, the mute spoke. I mean, oh, God can give back what the enemy has stolen. Now quickly, the enemy or demons can cause great suffering. Behold, the woman, a woman from Canaan, from that region, cried out and said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Terrible things she was going through. Demons hinder God's ministers. Paul even said, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, I even Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. This is what demons do. They're malevolent. They bring harm. They're bent on bringing harm to the human race. They're bent on hindering the church of Jesus Christ and warring against us and our message and our growth and all that is good. See, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these wicked spirits. Now, I'll close with this. What are the results of somebody being demon-possessed or oppressed or controlled? When they are delivered from devils, when, when someone is delivered, sometimes there is a visible, physical manifestation that takes place. There is a physical transformation many times when someone is delivered from this kind of oppressing spirit. 
Now listen to this, beautiful. They came to, they came to Jesus and saw the one of the bedemon possessed, he, 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 who had the legion. He was sitting. He was clothed. And he was in his right mind. There is a physical demonstration and transformation by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to take a complete demon-possessed, self-harming lunatic that terrorized probably the people in that area, but with the power of our Christ, he drove these demons out, drove them into the pigs, drowned them in the sea, and here is this man. He got his life back. He was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. And how I many you know when we get saved, we get peace, and we put our clothes back on, and we get our right mind? Come on, amen. Amen. Many times people who've been delivered are so grateful. They're like Mary Magdalene. They provided of their substance. The women in Mary, she was delivered of seven demons, and it says they provided for Jesus of their substance financially. They loved Jesus. The demon-possessed man I reverenced a moment ago said he begged that he might be with him. I mean, when Jesus delivered you, you just want to be with Jesus. When he's brought you out of the darkness and you've lost and you're found, you're blind, you see, and you're, you were bound and now you're, you're delivered. You just, want, you just love Jesus. The world out there doesn't understand why we would even be in here. It, but, but they don't know. We've experienced his grace and mercy. And I wonder today, I thought about this as we stand. Will we stand? Let's come musicians. Um, I want to say this, that... Um, I wonder how many people in our secular world have great success by demonic spirits. Remember Satan said to Jesus, if you'll worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Wonder how many demon spirits have led young people into great success, but led them away from God at the same time. He's, given, he's offered them this world and they've taken it. How do I know that? Because in, in Acts 16, the girl had a demon spirit that could tell the future. Fortune telling. Paul cast the spirit out and she couldn't do it anymore. And, the, and her owner said they lost their, their profits. She couldn't do it anymore. And I pray God she didn't want to do it anymore. Be careful because just because somebody can tell the future doesn't mean it's of God. Maybe a demon divining spirit. We need to be aware. We need fortune telling and tarot cards and yoga. You know, people, I hear even Christian people getting into yoga. Have you studied what's behind yoga? Quit all the yoga. Just go to the gym. Stop saying yoga. Stop getting into all that stuff. You may inadvertently open yourself up to something you don't want or need. And I can tell you this. If a demon's been cast out or you've been delivered... Don't open your door back again because demons always want to come back. They'll always come knocking again. Scripture says that. I will re- the, the, the demon said, I will return to the house of which I came. Maybe they'll open back up. We say, no, devil. Yes to Jesus, no to the devil. I don't know. Um, this, uh, this is a reality, dear ones. Amen. This is a reality of what we're talking about here today. There's a spirit world around us. If you want special prayer for anything that you're experiencing, we'll certainly be up here to pray for you. If you experience oppression or demonic strongholds in your life, we have the power of Jesus Christ to deliver you. 
Jesus has power. His name has power. That power that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of demon spirits. I want to tell you, dear ones, Satan has been defeated 2,000 years ago on the cross. You have the power of, humbly, we have the power of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Satan hates the name of Jesus. He hates bold faith. He hates faith in the word of God. He hates our worship. He doesn't want to be any part of it. But we have power today. I want to just lift our hands for a moment and just worship the Lord. Would you worship the Lord? Would you just worship God? Just take a moment and worship the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We declare victory in your name. Come on, just begin to pray over your life. Begin to pray over your home today. Begin to pray over your boys and girls today. Pray over your family. Pray over your married kids. Pray over your grandkids. Declare the victory of Christ over them. Ask God to protect them from all evil forces. Ask God to keep them alert. Ask God to keep them active. Ask God to keep them assembled in the house of the Lord. We worship your great name. We bless your great name. And dear ones, let me tell you, if you are reading horoscopes, if you're involved in anything like that, new age, you need to get rid of it. Look at me one more time. Quick, look at me. Years ago, and this you won't know who this is, maybe one or two. Years ago, somebody started coming to our church. And they'd been coming to our church for a while, and they brought a book to me by a new age teacher. And they had, they had taken that book. And I'm telling you, I'd never seen a book more marked up. A new age teacher. That book was marked up. It had the pink little tabs and the yellow tabs and the blue tabs and the, you know, the magenta tabs and all of these. Marked it up, marked it up. They had inundated themselves with this new age. And they, they gave it to me and asked me about it. I said, man, you need to throw that away. You need to get rid of that. And I say this, because I always wonder. That's what they inundated their home with. And their children had such trouble. One, one of their children in particular, demonic trouble. I'm talking about demonic bondage. And through the years, I've always wondered, did, did this person open their children up to demonic spirit that till this very day, they're still dealing with that demonic spirit? As far as I know, they're still bound as they could be. We need to not open the door to the enemy. Amen? We need to know what we need is the Word of God and the people of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the love of God and the holiness of God. Let's stay clean, dear ones. Amen? Let's pray and that our children would remain clean. I don't care how dirty the world gets. Our kids can live for God. They can live for God. Don't, don't let the enemy. Oh, it's tough. No. Listen, Daniel and all them live for God in Babylon. They did pretty good. We could, we, we're not dealing with that. Our kids can live for God. In fact, I want to prophesy to you and tell you, I think some of the greatest young men and women of God have not even come on the scene yet. They're coming some powerful men and women of God, young boys and girls and young men and women that love God, that are not going to tolerate all this silliness, and they're going to serve God, and they're going to be great stars for God and great, great leaders for God. You think God's going to be outdone? Oh, no, you just get right. Revival's coming. A move of God is coming. And I want it, don't you? 
Now, as we conclude this time, if you want prayer, we'll pray. Maybe the word, you know, sometimes the word of God's done the work. Have you noticed that? Sometimes the word of God just cleanses us. And I feel like it's done that today. But let me say this. What I want to do right now is just ask God to cleanse us and to cleanse our homes and cleanse our families and to keep us safe. Doesn't mean you won't wrestle, but you can wrestle on the right side. You can be the we. Amen. So just lift your hands. Let me pray. Father, I just pray over your people that any spiritual struggle that they're in, know that it's not their struggle. They're not struggling with flesh and blood. It's not try harder. But it's entering into the victory Christ has already won. Our victory of struggle is in faith. We go, we go in faith to Jesus. We go in faith. When we're in a battle... We go in faith. We go to God. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, because the way he saved you is the way he will give you victory every day, and that is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He ever lives to make intercession for you, dear ones. If you're in a struggle right now, run to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just like everyone I quoted to you in Scripture, that Jesus delivered them. Jesus is your deliverer. You maybe need to say that. Jesus, deliver me. You are my deliverer. You deliver from sickness and disease. You deliver from depression and hopelessness. You deliver from bondages and mental issues. You are my deliverer. Confess that, church. You are my deliverer, Jesus. You are my deliverer. I am set free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah.